0: So, hello and welcome to literally the first ever episode of the Curtis High podcast. When I say first episode, technically, this could be class as a second. After my first attempt failed, I'd done about a 40-minute recording and accidentally recorded over it. Needless to say, this is going to be the first one. We're not going to do that this time. So yes, welcome to the podcast. If you've managed to find this first episode, then you probably already follow me on Instagram or YouTube. So thanks ever so much for taking the time to actually check this out. I hope you're not going to be disappointed. Um, What I'm planning on doing in these podcasts is giving you guys some sort of take-home advice, try to give you some quality info so you've actually got something you can actually look forward to listening to, look forward to learning. But at the same time, I want to keep it real, keep it a bit sort of not just fitness related, more about life and just basically have a laugh for you guys on here talking about general rubbish. So if you're like me, I love listening to podcasts, especially when I'm sort of training. I prefer that over music. Um, just love learning basically about different topics uh, so I thought I'm going to give you guys some info, some take-homes, we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A after the end of every sort of podcast and talk to you about some general stories as well. So for now, we've gone for the name Curtis High Podcast, um, very basic I know, but I was trying to, I was thinking, do I kind of go a little bit out there and sort of use my surname High in the title, sort of the high definition podcast or High, you know, high quality podcast and I thought, People are just gonna. If people want to find my pub, podcast, probably the thing they're going to do is search for my name. So for now, we've gone for just the Eye podcast. If you do have any suggestions or think it would sound better with something else, definitely send us a message and uh, we'll consider it. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, obviously I'm going to be looking for you guys to try rate this at the end. So if you get time, please give us a five star rating because uh, obviously that's going to help other guys find this as well. So. For those that don't know who I am, um, I am a personal trainer um, in the small town of Lowestoft, which is the very east of England. Um, I've been a personal trainer now for a fair while, let's say 2012, so eight, sort of nearly eight years, Uh, and I absolutely love it. I was a sort of plumber before I started this. And I think working as a plumber for five years, you kind of get that hard work background. And uh, yeah, then when I moved on to obviously doing personal training, it was uh, a dream come true, really, the, the ideal job. And I absolutely love what I do. And if I was a multi, multi millionaire now, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. I just have a very smaller group of clients I train. Anyway, I don't want to blur on too much about myself. I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of info in this, but obviously, you're going to learn a lot more about me in the upcoming podcast. So what I wanted to talk to you guys about today, I wanted to give you a bit of an interesting topic, something you might actually listen all the way through on. So for those of you that don't know, I recently auditioned for SAS Who Dares Wins, which is a Channel 4 show in England. So if you're listening from America or wherever you are in the world, um, you probably don't know about the show too much. But uh, the SAS is the Special Forces, stands for Special Air Service, and um, basically it's a TV show that 25 candidates enter, and they are put through their paces by special force uh, special force guys, and they literally blast, blast you down until there's literally one of you left. Um, some cases, none left, I guess. You don't have to, they're not always going to guarantee somebody passes, but um yeah, I absolutely love this show and being like a personal trainer, being very fit and healthy, you kind of question, you know, you think to yourself, I'll be awesome at that and I've had a few people say to me, you know, you should apply for that, you'd be really good. So this year I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I literally went on to channel4.com website and I applied for the show. So how that works is you get this form sent to you, or actually it's an online form and you just fill it in and it's about nine pages long, which is takes you a good half an hour at least to fill it in and that has some random questions obviously they ask for your age your um, what you do for a living and then they go into a little bit more specific sort of questions like what would your school friends think of you um, describe like what your friends would say your top three sort of features or whatever whatever sort of stuff like that and um, yeah so I filled out this complete nine pages worth of information. It was as honest as possible. Obviously, they asked me sort of what is my motivation behind the show. And um, for those of you that you don't know, I lost my brother Taylor in 2011 in a road traffic accident. So kind of put that down as my main motivation to do it, uh, obviously in his memory, but as well as other things as well. So anyway, that was that. So I sent off my form and I was thinking, I you know, hope I hear back. That'd be awesome. So anyway, I'm at work and Whilst I'm doing sort of my PT sessions, my phone's sort of buzzing a little bit in my pocket. And occasionally, obviously, nine times out of ten, it's going to be either clients on my food plans or my wife getting in touch. And then I normally answer them between clients or sort of dinner time ish. So this one was an email. I checked it and it was from Minow Films, which are the producers of the Channel 4 show. And I was literally buzzing. And the email read, it just said, We really loved your um, reading about your audition and we'd like to invite you to do an extended audition uh, via video. So what they give you is they give you sort of five questions to answer and um, you have to do these in sort of a video format and the video has to be about three minutes long. Anyway, so the next day after I'm receiving this email is I know I've got the free peaks planned. So... This is the three peaks in England, so basically climbing the three highest mountains in England, and the first one being Ben Nevis. So I'm thinking to myself, when I get to Ben Nevis, there's snow on the top, it's gonna look awesome for me to actually do this video recording whilst I'm at the top. So that was my plan anyway. So next day we travel down, we do the three peaks, and I do exactly that. So I record this video, I'm like, hey guys, this is as High, this is my audition tape. Um, And then I answer the three questions, and that was it. So I then sent that off. You have to send it off via an upload format. And uh, yeah, sent that off and didn't know what to expect after that. Anyway, I get a email saying... Um, we would love to invite you to an audition at, in London. Or actually, yeah, you, on the on the original form, you have to say like your availability. There's a they they offer you an audition date in Newcastle and London. Anyway, so I've selected both. I'd, I'd have travelled anywhere to do this audition, but yeah. So I got this email saying that we'd like to invite you um, to an audition in London, and they give you some certain uh criteria that you have to be able to hit. So there's four different um fitness related exercises. The first one being a bleep test, you have to hit level 3.2 or above. Um, this, there's a sit up test, you have to be able to do 50 sit ups in 2 minutes. A press up test, which you have to be able to do the same 50 sit, uh 50 press ups in 2 minutes. And then there is a, oh, sorry, there's five tests. There's a jerry can test where you have to be able to hold um, two 20 kilo weights and walk a certain distance within two minutes. And then the last one is a bag test. So that's basically a sandbag. You have to lift a weight onto a platform uh, and the weights, there's five different sandbags. The weight gets heavier each time. They of the test. So obviously knowing this, I had about two weeks to prepare for my audition and Being fairly strong, you guys know I train a lot. Um, I I felt like my strength, I thought I'd be able to do all the main sort of strength tests. I was more concerned about the bleep test. And being 105 kilos at the time, you guys who are over 100 kilos, you know when you start running, it's not just fitness but it's pain of the body. The body doesn't like running when you're that weight and the joints take a big massive hit. Uh, so That was my main concern, so straight away that week I was like, right, I need to get a run, I need to run more, so I started doing some sort of 5K runs, don't get me wrong, the first 5K I didn't even finish without having to stop, uh, so I took a couple of breaks, but as the week progressed, I was sort of trying to get this done every other day, I felt like my fitness was getting better, I obviously practiced the bleep test a few times and I sort of felt like, yes, I'm sort of hitting the very minimum anyway of fitness that they require. So we then had this audition in London, and uh, this is where it gets kind of a little bit interesting. This story so went all the way to London, stayed the night before, and uh, so I was nice and fresh early in the morning. And the audition was at the Camden School for Girls. So went to this audition. You get put into like a there's like a massive. Um, sort of dining hall in a in a school, and you're all sitting there. There's loads of other candidates, obviously sitting. Nobody's really talking. Everybody sort of you get the odd sort of just random look at you, and then you get put into sections. So um, you get into groups of ten. I was in group J, and I was obviously with ten others. Uh, didn't know who else was in group J at the time. And anyway, every so often there's, there'll be somebody, one of the producers, come through to this sport um, dining hall and say, um, well, you know. Group H, please follow me. And anyway, after about half an hour wait, um, Group J were called. So all of the Group J, including myself, stood up. There was ten of us. We walked through, and let me tell you, this was sort of June time, June July. I can't remember the exact day now. Uh, and it was an absolutely boiling hot. I looked at my phone. It was thirty-five degrees in London, and uh, it was it was one of those what like it's nicely air conditioned indoors. It, it is, but as soon as you get outside, it was like sweltering hot. And as we're walking, I'm thinking, oh, I'm hoping we're doing this indoors. Then I see the bleep test set up outside, and I'm thinking, this is going to be harder than I would trained for. Um, anyway, you get these cone sections. You, you line up into the... Uh, areas and I was obviously number two so I was J2 and uh, yeah so basically you're you're told by these SAS instructors that um, not the ones you see on telly some other ones they tell you what your requirements are and basically that you have to do the test so so anyway we start the test and knowing obviously you have to hit 13.2 that's kind of the goal and everybody's just waiting for that first person to drop off and um, anyway yeah so I got to 13.2 and I'm thinking I'm feeling pretty good I felt you know I felt amazing. I don't know if it's the adrenaline pumping through you at the time, but I was feeling good. And I thought, well, I've hit the minimum now. Do I really want to, you know, completely knacker myself out for the rest of the test? Let's just get to sort of 13 and a half. So that's what I did. I dropped out at 13 and a half, feeling like I probably could have got 14, 14 and a half. And I think they completely stop you at 15 anyway. But yeah, I stopped at 13 and a half. And there was only five out of our 10 who actually managed to get past the pass uh, 13.2 pass mark. So I felt, you know, awesome. At least on one of the five. So then we get taken into the next uh, big sports hall, and there's obviously the remaining four tests in there. So the first thing you can see, obviously, these other groups doing the tests. And um, so I went and sat. As you're walking in, you're all looking at the other people doing the tests. This SAS instructor goes absolutely nuts at us. He's like, oh, he's facing me. If you're not looking at me, you're not concentrating. And it's like a, a bit of a sort of reality check of what it's going to be like on the show. And, it was, oh, and I love stuff like that. And I was like, wow, this is going to be awesome. So anyway, he, he got our group of 10 into this middle part. And we, the first test we did was a, um, the sandbag test. So he, the first thing he says is like, he explains what to do. Then he says, any volunteers... And I'm thinking, like, don't volunteer. Let's let's just have a little look at what's going on here. So anyway, this girl puts her hand up. Obviously, our our group of 10 being, um, we had six boys, four girls. And this girl, she puts her hand up to volunteer. And he gets right in her face. And he's like, the first thing you will learn in the SAS is you don't volunteer. He said, you'd be frontline and dead in a week. And I was like, wow. (laughs) So anyway, this poor girl stands up. And she gets onto the first sandbag. She lifts it up onto the platform. And uh, then uh, obviously he ticks, moves on to bag two. So bag two comes, and uh, shes you can see it's a bit heavier. She's struggling a little bit. And then uh, she passes that one. Then she gets onto bag three. She can hardly lift this one off the floor, couldn't lift up onto the platform. So there we go. She's marked down uh, bag two. Then the next, this, this lad goes second, and uh, he does this, exactly the same. He gets this bag three, and he's like, you know, struggling to lift it, c- couldn't do it um the third person was another lad he did bag three a major struggle got into bag four and was like nope that's not happening and I'm thinking "Right, well, these bags are obviously very heavier than they look and uh anyway need to say I was number four I stood up uh done bag one done bag two uh, and th- I'm not trying to boast here by the way this is uh yeah, don't want to sound big-headed, but I, I did all five bags and very comfortably, I must admit. Like the fifth bag was obviously the heaviest, and I think it weighed about 35-40 kilos. But I just lifted it up, put it on the platform, and then you know, felt great. That was it. Um, in our group, only four of us managed the whole five bags, the rest sort of failed about two or three or four. And um, yeah, so I felt, you know, there's only four of us now that have passed the whole the whole lot. So then then we went on to this uh jerry can test where you have to hold two 20 kilo jerry cans in each hand, and when i 'd been practicing for this i 'd been holding like two twenty four kettlebells, and i'd been sort of walking the the distance you had to walk, I think it said was four hundred meters in two in two minutes, something like that i can 't even remember the exact, but I was holding more weight, so I was holding twenty fours instead of twenties, and I was trying to get more distance. Uh, so, when we 'd actually turned up to do this test it wasn 't about speed at all; it was about just holding them for as long as as long as the two minute mark was. so the pace you walk at is extremely slow and obviously, for this, then your forearms are burning a lot more than they would if you were to complete it quicker so anyway we've done this, you do this in pairs, and you just follow an instructor at their pace until you are past and I think six of us managed to pass that one uh. And again, but at the time, one of the lads who had passed the four uh, the bleep test and this didn't pass that. So then there was only three of us that had done all four um, pass mark. And uh, yeah, so then we went on to the press-ups and sit-ups. Uh, I managed press-ups, What no, sit-ups was first and I managed 75. Then we went on to press-ups and I did exactly the same, 75. And as I got up from the press-ups, this SAS man, he gets in my face and he goes, good score. So I felt pretty good after that. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm thinking that's all for tests. One, two, three, four, five, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it. So once we've done that, you have to have each one of these markers, by the way, set, um, signed off by one of the SS instructors. There's a different one on each. And just to prove that you did do exactly what's on the form. So all of mine were signed off. Uh, you then queue up and go see one of the producers. So once you see the producer, obviously he goes through, make sure you've passed all the forms. For the guys that don't, sadly do not get through. Um, although we had one of the girls who obviously didn't manage the lifting test, but she got through. So I don't know if that actually you had to do all five to pass that one or if they were just trying to test your strengths, Um, but she didn't manage that one, but she got through to the, um, the final four with us. So four of us went through. And then you're put into this room. So being group J, we got taken into this classroom. Again, it was a boiling hot day. Everybody was sweating by this time. The classroom wasn't air conditioned. It was very hot. And as we get in, there's about 30 other people who have also passed in groups before you. So as we go in, this producer lady, she's a very important one. You can see she's sort of in a shirt and tie. She's been sort of organizing everybody else. She says to me, oh, sorry, to our group, Um, I really apologize, but there was a massive delay on the interviews there. So you've got about a two-hour wait. Uh, She said, obviously, you're free to go help yourself to some food and everything. So um, we sat in this classroom thinking, two-hour delay. So as she sits us down, she looks at me and she says, oh, hey, Curtis. She says, we absolutely loved your audition tape at the top of Ben Nevis. And at this point, you can imagine every single person in the class turns to look at me as if to say, who is this guy? Why does she know his name? And uh, I said, oh, thanks ever so much. I said, "I was just a good idea. I had that book and I thought, you know, why not? And she was like talking to me and she was asking me what I thought was the hardest. And I sort of said, you know, probably the bleep test because at the moment my fitness levels are not where they could be. And anyway, started chatting like that. So she went off and uh, bearing in mind, I've now got like a two hour wait until the interviews. She come in with the next group about five minutes later. As she comes in, she says, oh, hi, Kurt." She said, you'll be seen in the next couple. So obviously, as you can imagine, everybody turns to look at me as, again, as if to say, "Why this guy getting VIP treatment?" And I sat there thinking, "Wow, you know, this is this is a good sign." And one of the girls in my group, she said to me, "She likes you," and as if to say, "She's putting you ahead of uh, everybody else." And uh, yeah, so I felt very important while I was there. I was like, "This is amazing. I'm getting sort of super treatment here. I'm going to be seen very quick." So literally, like she said, within five minutes, I got called through to a um, basically another one of the production team uh, sitting there with a camera and they go through a TV stage interview with you. So at this point, um, you know, I've kind of passed all the tests. I'm feeling really positive about everything. Uh, I go in there, the the man doing the interview gives me loads of compliments saying, oh, you're a big lad, you know, we'll have to adjust the camera to zoom out a bit like laughing with me. So we sit in this room um, and, yeah, so the first thing they kind of do, they do a bit of a sound check. Then he said to me, right, um, we've obviously read your application form uh, so we'd like to ask you a few questions about that. I said, yeah, no problem. And they said, and I'm, I, this is the point where I'm not kind of, I think this is where they're trying to test you a little bit and to see sort of how emotionally strong you are as well. And obviously they see on the form about my brother, Taylor, and how we, how we lost him. And the first thing he said is like, we've read about your brother. Could you sort of tell us a little bit about him? And like I'll tell you guys and anybody who knows me, I absolutely love you know, mentioning my brother, talking about him, thinking about him, uh, that, you know, obviously what happened to my brother is, one well, the worst thing imaginable that you can imagine in your life, losing somebody, my brother was my best friend, we'd go to the gym together, we had, we lived together, obviously he lived under, he was under my bedroom, his bedroom, and uh, we thought so highly of each other, I mean, his friends would tell you that all he mentioned was about me and how he looked up to me, and, and, and you know, to lose somebody that close to you is horrendous, but you can do one of two things. You can let that eat away at you. You can be extremely sad. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's obviously a mourning period where you uh, you think about him all the time. You're crying every day, but you can either carry on doing that or you can start thinking about positivity and all the th- positive things that he impacted your life with, and that's exactly what I do. I think of all the good times, all the laughs we had. And there's not, a, you know, if anything, I said, I said exactly the same to the man I me. Mean, I said, I love talking about my brother. And I said, I, I've had a few people say to me that when you're on the show, people are going to obviously, especially the SAS, they're going to try to find something that's going to break you down. How do you think you're going to be when they mention your brother? And I said the same. I said, all that's going to do is make me stronger. I said, because I'm going to be feeling down. I know they're going to push you to your absolute limits where you're going to want to quit. And then I'm going to think about my brother. I'm going to be thinking, what would he say if I quit? And I, I just knew I wouldn't let him down. That's the reason I do. And, and I would push through to the absolute end, knowing that I would never give up. And um, so, yeah, I told him that. And he was sort of smiling all the way through. And because I think I didn't cry or didn't sort of get upset a little bit, I, I, they kind of try to push you a little bit further. So the next question was, um, uh, he said, oh, very good. He said, so do you, would you mind telling us about the day you found out we died? I was like, not, not at all, I'll tell you guys. So I sort of sat down and I, I went through the whole story. I won't, you know, tell you guys, go into a great detail all about it. But basically, I was at a, a mixed martial arts tournament. I used to be part of a team that we used to travel all over sort of the country and do tournaments. And um, yeah, so I was there, needless to say, sort of about two o'clock in the morning. My coach knocks on my door, streaming, crying his eyes out and sort of breaks the news to me. And this is obviously the day before we're all set to compete. And I have to then obviously phone up my mom, dad, find out that this is actually true, the story that he's just told me. And um, yeah, I have to make my way back, which I get a taxi all the way home. Anyway, I'm going to cut a long story short here. Um, I basically tell him the whole story about how I found out. And this guy who's interviewing me is in tears. And it's, like, it's one of those cases of like, I'm not crying, you're crying. And uh he looks at me and he, you can see like he's emotionally involved in this story. And uh, anyway, so I, I, tell, I tell him that story. And then from there, they kind of go on and they're telling you about asking you about like your relationship with your family, your your wife, your children. Uh, what would they think if they look back when they're older at you? And all different questions like that. And anyway, this interview ends. He stops the interview. He stands up. He basically hugs me. And he says, "Mate, you absolutely nailed that." And I was like, "I felt so, so good." And I was like, "Wow, I've literally passed all the tests." I've, according to him, nailed this interview. And I left there. And as as I, as he lets me out of the door, the other producer lady who fast forwarded me to the front of the queue, she's there and she's like, "How did it go, Cass?" And I said, "Yeah, I honestly think really well. I hope you know. I hope you guys choose me for the show." And she sort of said, "Well, best of luck. We'll sort of see you soon." And she and then I left. And I I literally phoned up my wife straight away. I said, "Amy." have to tell you I'm on the show trust me and she was like why so I was telling all the story and um yeah like from that I was I would have put money on the fact that I was going to be on the show and you probably hear this story now thinking you know you got you're definitely on the show so from there months went past and when I say months that's not an exaggeration so that was say June that went to July um August so I'm thinking you know I'm going to hear soon and uh, anyway one of my friends actually a couple of my friends had also auditioned and also got to the same stage I got and I won't mention any names in case they don't want to you know nobody to know that they actually auditioned or got this far but one of them I was chatting to and um, was letting me know sort of we were just sort of saying how it was going um, we were comparing sort of our results or in the tests and I got to a stage where we were just like have you heard no have you heard nothing and we both basically got to the stage where we'd given up hope on here and um it wasn't until like a Friday night he texted me and said, Mate, have you heard anything? And I was like, Nothing, have you? And he says, Well, he said, I literally got called about an hour ago, and they want me to go down to London on um Monday and do a CPET test. So a CPET test for you guys that don't know is literally a you basically have a um a oxygen mask on and they test your heart rate, they test your oxygen output. Um, a CO2 max test, they basically it's basically their insurance policy for uh, you know getting you through the show. So, if you actually died on the show, they'd be like, Look, we went through the most extensive test possible and he passed, so that's not our problem. I believe that's the case anyway. So, because he got invited to that, and because they're quite a lot of money to have done, I believe they're about 300 pounds to have done, he was like, You know, I said, Mate, you are on the show. Um, so anyway, as you can imagine, Friday, Saturday night, I'm sitting there, like, oh, Come on. My phone's going to ring any second. I'm going to be asked to go Monday. Waited, waited. I didn't hear anything. So I was literally, you know, oh, what's going on? When are, Maybe I'll hear this week. So Monday, I'm eager to obviously call my mate, see what's happened. So I phone him up Monday evening. Like, how did it all go, mate? He's like, well, he said, I'll tell you the story. So he said, basically, we've done this CPET test, he said. And uh, afterwards, they said to me, we want you on the show. And uh, obviously, I can't go into certain details about it, but he was obviously over the moon. that He got accepted. But for a reason that I can't explain um, or can't tell you guys, he wasn't allowed to go on the show. Um, Obviously, out of his hand. And um, as you can imagine, he was absolutely gutted. But this is the bit. He said to me, they told him they're leaving tomorrow. So they were leaving on the Tuesday. They give you a day's notice to actually get yourself, yep, I'm ready to go, I can go. And uh, I believe as well, obviously, you're going to see in the future in January where it's aired, I believe it was actually Australia they went this year. Might be wrong, but that's kind of where the rumours were. And, um, but yeah, so he actually couldn't go on the show. And from, it was literally only from him that I found out I wasn't on the show. All the candidates, you hear absolutely nothing. And... You know that's my only downside to the thing. I was absolutely gutted about it, and as you can imagine, I, I how well the auditions went. I had been training for you know my training my absolute ass off for this, uh, doing really sort of load of cardiovascular exercises. I at one point done a ten k run every day of the week, um, and I you know I was in top peak condition, which you kind of have to be to obviously do the show, and I felt awesome. But to be not even called or not even told, I was absolutely gutted. So from this I was like you know this is my only ever audition I'm never going to audition again but because I got this found out I weren't on the show or didn't make it on the show I'm very eager next year I kind of know what's expected and I'm really I want I want to get on that damn show so I'm going to keep trying this I haven't give up but I thought I'd share with you guys because I've had a lot of people ask me how it's gone and obviously during this two three month period I had to wait to hear um, Obviously, all my clients, my friends, with they believed also from the story I told them that I was on the show. So they were like, you, "You've you you've heard you're on the show. You're just not telling us." And I was like, "I wish that's the case. I just haven't heard anything." And then they were all pretty shocked when I didn't get on as well. So that's kind of my SAS Who Dares Wins application story. Don't let that put you guys off. Um, Obviously, who do want to audition? Because I strongly advise it. I absolutely love the show. I would love to get on, uh, and I'm going to be there next year doing the same thing. So hopefully this has helped you guys give you a little insight to what is required in the audition uh, but yeah that's my little fun story uh, what I wanted to also do in this podcast was obviously go through a few little things I'm going to give you a quick Q&A and this is just a, I've, I generally posted a thing up on my Instagram this isn't a plug uh, at Curtis High I guess that was a plug um, yeah but I've posted a thing about asking you guys for some questions uh, and I'm gonna go through we'll see how many we get done. Uh, we'll try not to make this podcast too long. It's already cut out once um, you might not even have noticed but um, this podcast app that I'm recording on only has a certain amount of time you can record for. so I'm hoping to get you know as many as I can we'll go for we'll go for free questions we'll see if we can answer them a little bit more in detail and uh, yeah so I wanted to do this just to give you guys a little bit of a take home. And if you do have any questions, obviously get on the Instagram at Katsai, direct message me and I can always include them in my podcast. Um, So yeah, we'll go through the first one. Um, The first question I have is best way to bring up lagging body parts. Now I'm actually going to do a post about this um, on my Instagram as well to help you guys out who don't listen to podcasts. If that's you, then Weirdly, you're here listening to podcasts, <laughs> but no. Anyway, so best way to bring up lagging body parts. Um, that's a great question, honestly, because there's so many people that have certain deficiencies, and I reckon if you spoke to 99.9% of people who train, there's something about their body that they wish they could improve. Whether that be an uneven body part, whether it be certain areas they got weaker. or or more strength on there's always parts of your body that are not quite the same as the other that you'd like to bring up for me personally well one is my quads Um, although my quads everyone says they're good I do have one due to a knee injury that is slightly smaller than the other so my focus at the moment is really building one side up my left side particularly and shoulders as well. So shoulders has been one of those that I've just been naturally gifted in strength with my shoulders. I can like overhead press 100 kilos. Um, I've always just sort of like had very strong shoulders and for that reason I kind of neglect them a little bit. I've always sort of trained say like a back biceps, chest triceps, legs and then arms and then shoulders have just been a little something I've kind of thrown in here and there like say with arms I kind of just put some delt training in at the end or a shoulder press in with a push day and not really focus that much on shoulders and needless to say like when I kind of you know do a little bit of a body update although the strength's there I haven't got that round roundness to the shoulders that you see a lot of athletes have and don't get me wrong most of the time I'm comparing myself against some sort of enhanced athletes and being a natural athlete it's very hard to sort of you know judge what you should look like and yeah, that obviously being natural as hindrances, you're never going to be like these guys with the massive shoulders, the massive backs. but you can sort of you can work on these areas, so I'm going to just going to give you a couple of tips, which I've found helped has helped my shoulders because I've literally been doing these the last six months and I have noticed major changes in my shoulders. In fact, I've had a few clients say to me, what, your your shoulders are getting ooed And I've been like, oh, cheers, I've actually been focusing on them. So the first thing I'm going to say, probably most important, is the amount of times you train them. So training frequency needs to be increased. Like me, I was doing, say, half a session, if you could even count that, on shoulders once a week, um, sort of like two, three exercises. So the first thing I did was like, I need to Prioritise how many times, you know, so I started to stick in sort of a lateral raise in every day I wasn't really still giving them a full day priority, but I was sort of um, You know training them more frequently so I had more sort of muscle protein synthesis and just sort of more chance for my muscles to actually you know react and grow So, the second one is I'm going to kind of go on to what I just said, and that's prioritizing a day for shoulders. So, that's exactly what I did. I stuck a day in for shoulders. And when I say prioritize, it doesn't have to be just shoulders. But what you should do is if you're going to train shoulders that day, stick them at the start of the workout when you kind of got the most energy. So, that would be my second tip. So, just prioritizing the muscle that you actually want to change. The next would be obviously the amount of different exercises you do on that muscle. What you want to do is shock the muscle. for for an example for me being shoulders most people go train they train say a a shoulder press front raise side raise but you have to sort of step outside the little, the box a little bit and not all the time you're going to have the equipment different sort of types of equipment to do this but you can change angles you can change different tension ranges so you can use bands and you really want to shock how much of that muscle you work so i always like to train it in the short uh, uh short end so for instance when it's When a muscle is contracted, you want to apply more tension in that zone, and then when a muscle's fully stretched, you also want to be able to apply more tension in that zone too, and if you look at what's called a strength curve, training the bottom and top ends of your strength curve is actually what makes your muscle stronger in the middle. Uh, Hard to sort of explain without a diagram, that one. Um, The next one is you also want to be mixing your um, volume up, so you want to be doing high volume, low volume, what I mean by that is sort of low sets, so or say two to three sets of six to eight reps would be considered sort of low volume, and then you're going kind to of got the higher volume end where you say three to five sets of say 20 reps, obviously with that weight is going to change. So for your low volume, you want to be going super heavy, whilst maintaining good form is ideal, and in the high volume, you want to be going su- super light, getting as much blood pumped into that muscle as possible. Um, With that being said as well, mind-to-muscle connection is another tip. That is super important. There's a lot of people who will go through, again, let's go for a, a, a lateral raise, um, just doing the lateral raises, and all of a sudden, to sort of just counting the numbers rather than actually thinking about your lateral deltoid doing the work of getting shorter to actually lift the muscle. And nine times out of ten, these people you'll see just swinging the weights up with no control, uh, letting them drop on the way down. You should really keep a nice control on the way there up. Really squeeze that muscle and keep it controlled on the negative as well to maximize the amount of muscle breakdown you have. Um, and yeah, that's basically. Basically, yeah. the only last one I'd probably say is making sure there's some type of progression. So each week, you just want to be marking down exactly what you're lifting, and then the following week, just trying to up something if you can, even if that's one extra rep at the end. Just each week, trying to get that little bit stronger, and that's how you're gonna progress. That's how you're gonna get those results. So hopefully, that's asked you, answered your question. The next question we got on here is, "How old was I when I became a PT?" I actually sort of, kind of went through that at the start. I was um, 24 when I became a personal trainer back in 2012. Um, my kind of story is for those that don't know, I was a plumber um, from from literally the moment I left school. I, I applied before I left school for a job, and I became a plumber, fully qualified. I got in the end, it took me like three three years, four years, and I was qualified for a year, I left after five years, I say I left, I was actually made redundant, that was the time when the credit crunch hit, and I applied for over 100 jobs in plumbing, and didn't get any, uh, they all sort of were saying we're all in the same situation, letting people go at the moment, so um, after that I kind of went and worked with my dad for a bit, sort of, he does home maintenance and gardening, and I kind of, mainly gardening, I was basically helping them with, but occasionally there'd be some home maintenance side of things, where I'd kind of bring plumbing back in, and um, but it wasn't until we lost my brother in 2011, I kind of realized life is too short to be doing something you really dislike doing. And um, that's the moment I, I'd, I'd always wanted to be either a PE teacher or a personal trainer. And I kind of just thought, you know, let's go for this. This, And I spoke to my dad about it. He was very supportive. He said, you know, uh, you know let's go. And he, he actually paid for my qualifications, bless him, um, to get this done. So that's what I did. I went for this Uh, personal training qualification. I went with WABA, Worldwide Qualifications. And for you guys that are not qualified in personal training and very interested in getting qualified, I've actually done a reps qualification now, I've done a WABA qualification, and I've seen some lifetime fitness qualification criteria as well. And let me just say the quality of WABA qualifications compared to any other I've seen in the world are streaks ahead. So if you guys are looking for a high quality end, you might pay a little bit extra for it. But trust me, Waber is the way to go if you want to sort of get very knowledgeable. Um, so yeah, basically that's what happened. I then done my qualifications. Um, you have to do a year's home study on the course I did. And in 2012, I managed to pass all the tests. Um, I did a lot of extensions. Um, I wanted to also obviously do own nutrition diploma in that. There was also some other extensions I went for. And uh, so yeah, it took a little bit of time, but it's definitely worth it. And uh, I haven't looked back since. And like I said... If I was a multi-millionaire, this is the job I'd still be doing. I absolutely love helping people. I love seeing people progress. And uh, it's just, you know, keeping yourself fit as well is just an awesome career choice in my opinion. So, yeah, 2012, 24 years old. I'm now 32. Where are those years gone? So the last one, uh, we'll quickly go through this one because I don't know how much time I've got left on this podcast, but will I get on competition stage? I get asked this so many times that I thought I'd quickly answer it in my first podcast, but I honestly, the the honest answer is I don't actually know. Um, At the moment, I don't see the appeal for myself. If you you follow me on Instagram, you'll notice that I have several clients that compete. Uh, One this year managed to make the British finals, which was awesome, Um, but yeah, I for me, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the look. I love the conditioning part of it. I'd love to sort of put myself through that strictness to actually get in shape. And I believe, obviously, with the knowledge of nutrition, especially, I believe I could get in shape required to get on stage. The problem is, one, I'm a natural athlete, and to compete against some of these guys that are enhanced, you're never gonna come, you're never gonna win against somebody who's enhanced. That puts me off a little bit. And the other thing that puts me off is the, the posing. I'm not naturally, you know, I'm not a posy person to like flex in the mirror. I do get a little bit embarrassed posting some sort of gym selfies up here and there. Um, so I think I'd struggle with the pose. So if this was an option where, you know, I thought, you know, I just want to do it for the experience, then I'd probably make sure I got a good posing coach and did it all properly. But um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to rule it out and say no, never. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to give you guys an exact date and say, right, yeah, I'm going to go for it. So will I get on stage? The answer is who knows? Probably, probably one day. So guys, that is We'll call it a day there this is the end of my podcast uh, hopefully if you if you're still listening now honestly I really appreciate the fact that you've gone on taken the time to look at my podcast for what's curt as I running on about this time and listened all the way through so absolutely thank you so much uh, if you're gonna be even more awesome please take the time to just rate this five star or however you do on um, on the ratings part because um, that's just gonna help other guys find this podcast help me get ranked higher and uh, yeah just persuade me to do more of this sort of stuff. Um, But hopefully you've enjoyed the first ever podcast. Obviously, if you don't know who I am and want to follow me on social media, um, on Instagram, I'm at Curtis High, spelled with a C, C C-U-R-T-I-S-H-I-G-H. And on YouTube, if you don't follow any of my YouTube videos, it's literally Curtis High Fitness. But thanks ever so much for taking the time. I've said this many times because I am appreciative of you guys. But yeah, hopefully I can find a way now to actually get this posted out there and if you're listening to it I obviously have uh, until the next podcast guys we will see you very soon